Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. My name is Karen Fabian, and I'm the founder of Bare Bones Yoga, and I am the host of my podcast, Conversations for Yoga Teachers. And we are at episode 94. And you probably heard my intro um, if you were listening from the beginning. And so here I am with my guest today, and we're going to really get into a whole conversation. You might have heard, if you listen from the start, an intro. I want to introduce him briefly before he gets into his story for us to tell us all the, all the details. But I want to in introduce you and welcome my guest, Tim Kelleher, to the podcast. Tim is a 500-hour teacher. He has studied for the past two decades, so is a wealth of experience. And his influences include teachers like Shyler Grant, Tom Alden, and others right here in Boston. And he is here in Boston, as am I. And he is the co-owner of Boston Yoga Union, which is a yoga studio here in Boston. And together uh, with, uh, and with one other teacher, right? Is, or two other teachers? My partner. Partner. Business partner is a, a woman named Emily Tebald, yeah. Okay, so it's the two of you, got it. And um, also we were chatting before we went live uh, on the podcast. He is a husband and father to two children um, son and a daughter. So we were chatting with that, which is awesome. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's great to see you. Um, you know, like I said before, right now, <laughs> What's that? it's nice to see anybody right now, right? Exactly. Exactly. And we were saying before we went live that, um, we could have actually done this in person. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. This is the first time I've had somebody on local just for the listeners. Tim and I are probably only like 10 blocks away from each other. So it's kind of hilarious that we are doing this online. Be that as it may, I'm really glad that you carved out some time in your schedule, your busy schedule. Um, again, listeners, just so you know, he is literally sitting in the yoga studio as he is doing this interview with me. So things are moving, wheels are always moving. And, um, and so I really appreciate your time. Yeah. So as I said before we went live, I really, um, want to hear from you about what it's been like in this pandemic, time of this pandemic, for someone who owns a studio. 
Before we get into that though, I think it would be helpful for the listeners to hear about you, who you are, your you know passion for yoga, how you ended up where you are right now, or just anything you want to share about. I'll give you, I'll give you the, the the extended Cliff Notes uh, version, which is um, I was um, a dancer when I was a young man, and then I had some very very intense life threatening problems with substance abuse that lasted around a decade. And um, I guess they always are with me, but you know, the, the, the acute portion. And then um, in my process of recovery, um, I was in a residential inpatient place and someone took me to uh, an Ashtanga yoga class at a gym, which in retrospect was not Ashtanga yoga. Uh, <laughs> um, but I didn't know what I didn't know. But what I did know is that in that like hour and a half or however long it was, um, as a 25 year old degenerate um, who was you know, hospitalized, I had a moment of feeling safe and embodied, and um, I hadn't felt that way since I was a really small child, and so I went back the next day. And um, so, you know, I'm 44 now, I was 25 then. Um, and so I developed, you know, I, I was, you know, as I, as I kind of got better and like started to put a life back together, someone introduced me to a yoga studio, like someone was like, you gotta go to this yoga studio. I went to this yoga studio and I, I walked in and, um, there was like a Ganesh on the wall and the woman who was leaving the class played the harmonium and we started in handstand. It was like a whole, and everybody knew everybody else. Like it was like, a, you know, I had walked into like another planet and I felt like my heart felt so glad. Um, and I remember feeling like, I don't care like what else is going on. Like I, this is a space where I can be and I can be myself in this space. And that woman, her name is Sandra Loring, and she owns studios in upstate New York, and she um, is still my teacher today. She taught in New York City. She was part of like that first wave of um, like Eddie Stern and yeah. all of the um, kind of the when Ashtanga started to come into Diva Mukti, started, you know, when the dancers and the Ashtangis kind of like started to play a little bit, and then yeah. the Angars were like, oh, you know what I mean? When that, that, that moment of fusion. That, that kind of has brought us to like a place of vinyasa flow like we know it today. So she was like in that yeah. amalgamation in New York City. I remember and, I went to the Jeeva Mukti studio in New York City and Sharon was yeah. there. And this was like 2002 or three. Yeah, so like way back. And I remember I could hear the subway when I was laying on the floor in the studio in Shavasana. I could hear magic. it. Magic. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was like, you know, you're just no room to breathe. Um, so, uh, and so like, that was my beginning. Like I, I you know, I practiced in, you know, I, I learned how to chant and I did really intense vinyasa and I loved it. Like, I loved it, I loved it, I loved it. And then I, um, you know, uh, it wasn't a, um, let me just put up my, uh, do not disturb. Okay, um, so then, you know, so that just continued, you know, like I, I like had a, a business, I, I was I was working in business and I, you know, met my husband, like, you know, life happened. And um, we moved here to Boston in 2007. It took me a while to find a teacher. Mm -hmm. And uh, I finally started studying back bay yoga, um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which is actually my studio is in the site of the original back bay yoga, right? On Mass Ave and Boylston Street before oh. she moved up by the common, right? So that like we have reimagined that whole space, but like when, when we, when, when the realtor first brought me into the space, it was a disaster and I walked in, I was like, Holy crap, this is where I first yoga class with Nicolene Van Valkenburg in that room right up front. So, um, 
So then I did a teacher training in 2009, not because I like, for, it was different then, right? There wasn't like teacher training, wasn't like a thing that people did, right? And, um, and I certainly didn't intend to become a teacher. I just wanted to study more with this woman, Kate Greer, who I'd been practicing with. And um, so half of the teacher training, she sat me down and was like, and Nicole Clark, um, who still teaches locally, was my other teacher in that training. And they were like, we think you're supposed to be a yoga teacher. And I was like, I, I think that I'm not supposed to be a yoga teacher, right? And uh, so the training ended and I was like, all right, well, maybe I'll like try to get a job at the Y. And um, teaching, teaching, right? Like, you know, I'll try like, I had, a, I had a, a business. Like I had, you know, I was doing like, so I, I had a thing. I was like, maybe I'll just like get us, you know, I'll pick up one class at the Y just because like, you know, and um, that Monday morning I went, the, the Monday morning I graduated on a Sunday and the Monday morning I went into South Boston yoga and I took David's Monday morning class, which was always a David Vendetti's Monday morning class. And after class, he sat down next to me. We didn't know each other. I knew Todd and he was like, you Tim? And I was like, yeah. He's like, I heard you were really good. You just graduated teacher training yesterday. You want some classes? Wow. How did so, that feel? Were you like, it, I, was, I said yes, but I didn't know what I was doing. I also didn't really understand. Like I, I you know, um, so I, you know, I, my first ever public class was a Tuesday at four. It had, it was a dead class. It had, you know, no one was coming to it and I built it. And I still teach Tuesday at four, you know? Um, and I, and I, and David and Todd gave me some runway and I started to build a teaching voice. And, um, and then I started saying yes to all the opportunities that were around. And, you know, eventually I worked everywhere. I worked at, you know, I, I just taught all around town. And um, after I had my son, I uh, kind of tightened up the circle a little bit. And I was teaching for Daniel Max at JP Center and also for David and Todd at South Boston. And, um, you know, I was really happy in those two communities and, you know, being a dad. And, um, and then, you know, I tried to buy a small studio in the South End and I got outbid. And uh, this is a, a bunch of years ago. And, uh, and I was like, okay, cool, not, not, not my time. And, and Emily, who was a longtime student of mine and, had, and, and has become a teacher in her, had become, was becoming a teacher in her own right at that time, uh, was like, I think we should go into business together. And uh, so we found a big space in the Fenway and then we lost a ton of money because the landlord was like fraudulent, blah, 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 blah. And then, and then, you know, like I had a moment of, um, of uh, you know, I don't know what's going on. And this space came up and I tried to say no. I was like, nope. And like to kind of despite myself, though, we ended up with a lease and, um, we, you know, we opened in February of 2019. So let me, let me just pause for a sec, because for people who are listening who aren't from Boston, I don't want them to miss the, it's not really irony, but kind of the full circle moment. So just describe for the listeners that this space is okay. the same space. Tell, tell so that. I walked, so Lynn Beezer, who maybe uh, was a, like a pivotal woman, a pivotal business person here in Boston. And she really was like the first independent yoga studio. She really likes these big, huge classes. Like she really pioneered that big model of, you know, she was really at the forefront of building a yoga community in Boston. Like there wouldn't be a community here if it hadn't been for Lynn. She really, um, and this space that I'm sitting in right now is right by Berkeley School of Music. And it was the original back, it was, it was where her business was. Now she moved her business in 2007, I think, um, uh, about 10 blocks up Boylston Street. 
And that business has become yoga. And then she sold that business maybe three or four years ago to yoga works. And so we were looking at the downtown landscape and being like, it's only core power and it's only yoga works. It's just big corporate players. And like yoga is not that, like that is not what yoga is. Like, and a corporation can do a lot of things, but a corporation cannot foster community space. And so it falls only to the teachers to try to build a community space. And it's like, so you're not getting paid anything and you have to do all of the work to build a community yourself. It fucking sucks. Excuse my French. Fine. <laughs> and like, then I was working in the North End and I was working in South Boston. I was working in JP where these independent studios were owned and operated by, by, by teachers and owners who were in, actively involved in building the community themselves, right? And that's, I was like, downtown is missing a community space and um and so i hired away everyone's best teachers and i uh and we opened you're in you're in the physical space where it started where it started yeah. so i renovate we renovated from we renovated the whole space we reimagined it but like it is the shoe rack still in the same space and like so if you were to walk in and I don't know, people, if anyone who's listening knows Lynn, like there's some leopard print touches that I put like just to like as an honorarium of Lynn's presence right in the studio. She um, has a very bold personality. She does. But she we have like, dogs, the little dogs that she would bring. Yeah, we have no chihuahuas at Boston Union. Um, but we, you know, we have one studio that fits around 70 and one studio that fits around 28. And then I'm sitting in a really sweet, small studio in um, the back, which is like beautiful sun and windows. And that fits about 12 mats. And then we have a, a really gracious lobby space with lounges and stuff, which pre-COVID was amazing. Uh, and now it's empty and has been empty. Right. Uh, well, let me ask you this before we go into that part. Tell me, because community is such a big topic right now for yes. different reasons than when you're talking in this conversation about what it meant to you to open your own studio with Emily to foster community. So talk to me a little bit, like what do you, what do you envision is critical as part of a thriving? Well, I mean, first of all, the, the product that we're selling is yoga, right? And so the first thing that we have to provide to the community is like excellent teachers and excellent teaching because this is a, a community of students and a community of teachers, right? And so the first thing is like, okay, what is the top, like, why are people coming into this space, right? And it is, in it, it, and so Secondly, is this idea of safety and what's been a really, and this is a topic for another podcast, um, but, you know, we realized that what we were serving, we, we serve the community that we're in, which is the Back Bay community, which is not the most diverse community. So, you know, we have been doing a ton of, um, not a ton, we have been really trying to like do a lot of work on anti-racism and representation and rethink what it means to have a community and who the community is available for. And, you, and you'll see, you've started to see it on us, people start to see it on our schedule and you're really gonna start to see kind of the ways in which we are envisioning um, making our community way more um, diverse and way more equitable and putting people in leadership roles who don't just aren't like white privileged. You know, right. Right. Now, just, just talk a little bit about that, because I think where people oftentimes get tripped up, especially if they own a studio, you know, we're in Boston, depending where you're, 
like just get a little tactical with me about what does that look like you have pronouns next to your teacher's names on your website yeah, we have pronouns next to our teacher's names we have all gender restrooms we have trans students who feel comfortable here we had a trans teacher who's no longer with us because they they left to go elsewhere um and we have queer representation you know we're female owned our studio manager is a black woman and she is also a teacher here we have as a as we have hired some help to come in and do some leadership and fostering training so we're working with a woman named Nafi, uh, uh, namaya fia out of new york right and so she does a lot of anti-racism and social justice trainings out of kula yoga in new york city so she's been doing some um uh staff trainings for us so on a staff level, right, we're focusing on, how, on, on what we can all be doing to um, increase representation and to change the dialogue. We're, we're running scholarship programs for this upcoming teacher training yeah. uh, in an effort to um, change the literal face of the teacher training. Yeah, it's funny because I was just before this in a conference where they the first three speakers were, were about diversity and inclusion and uh, the woman who was black and then there was a woman who is lesbian and they were talking about especially the black woman um, for years going to studios and no one would talk to her no one yeah. put the mat next to her no one would talk to her and then even I mean she went into all these stories about you know being hired but then being asked not to teach in a certain way and then the other woman she was providing a different perspective and can you change your hair can you change your hair so yeah so this this is what I've been understanding is like when we opened Emily and I were like we wanted diverse staff and we like went out and we hired some teachers but we didn't have it was ignorance and I will own my own ignorance right like I didn't know what I didn't know and I should have known it's not so it's not an excuse it's just like I, I just and so I didn't give some of those teachers the kind of support and structure around their teaching that um, was necessary for them to really succeed. Uh, yeah. Because in order to reshape the face of a community, it's about, I mean, it takes, it, it's a huge undertaking and, it ha and it's, not, it's not enough to be like, okay, here's a class, good luck. Right. You know, it's like, it, it and so, you know, we're really putting resources behind, um, what well, you know, spending money on education for our staff and for ourselves, yep. uh, making the dialogue open because that's the biggest thing. We we're like, oh, we're a safe space for everybody, but like, are we a safe space for everybody? Well, like that's what I was hearing this woman say when I would go to class for years and no one would ever talk to me. Right. So, like, the black person was like, "Hey, am I safe at your studio?" You know what I would say to them? I would say. We're a majority white studio. We welcome everybody, but I would want them to know it was a majority white studio. And then they would maybe feel safe, right? Because they would have the information. I wouldn't be trying to like, and we're trying to change that this is a majority white yoga. Like we are, we are working on it, but it is an, like an honest assessment of where we are is that we are, um, starting with the lowest hanging fruit, which is education and representation. Yep. Right? Yeah. And the, the long-term work is um, transformation of the face of our community and also of the industry itself, right? right. Because, you know, you know, it's not enough to just, like the problems are not the problems of Boston Yoga Union. Boston Yoga Union reflects the problems of the culture of that he's in. Of course. But right? on the same token, it's, it's, it's 
great that you have a microcosm in a way that you can start to create the community that you want yeah. that embodies the values and reflects the diversity that we value and that's a place to start i mean if you don't start right if we don't start from ourselves yep and and this dialogue and and, I, and my heart is pounding a little bit talking right when we when we talk about this because you don't want to say the wrong thing and yeah yeah but you know i i have really come to this and I, because i've had some help and some support that like i speaking right if I speak and i say the wrong thing or i say something incorrectly or i misunderstand or i misrepresent um then at least I have an opportunity, like at least I've said something, right? And then someone could absolutely like email me, reach out to me, call me in, call me out, whatever it looks like. Like, Tim, like when you said this, when you did like, you know, you missed the boat. And then I have an opportunity for more dialogue and more growth and more right. change. So it, getting a little bit over my um, fear of, right. of saying the wrong thing um, and being a white man and talking about this at all is scary. And, and that's just privileged talking. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think though, when you talk about bringing people in who are trainers and bringing people in who are people of color and just people with diverse backgrounds and how they look, how they live, how they associate from a gender perspective, that's how we, I mean, even just in what I did before this call, I learned so much even about languaging and cueing and languaging and references made to bodies versus feelings. Yeah. Universal. And it was enlightening for me, but I wouldn't have learned that if I didn't hear this person's perspective. So I, I just, I love that you're bringing in those outside voices because you're right. We don't always know, but hearing it is a, such a huge opportunity to be like, wow, I had no idea. Putting people of different experience, different racial experience, different body experience, different gender experience, different abled experience, right? Like in leadership positions. Is yeah. how is how you is how you transform, yeah. um, and this is what I'm I'm starting to understand, which also requires people like me and people like my partner to give up some of that leadership, which is scary, you know. Yeah. Um, and so you know it is. I think that's the way you change the culture, right? It's like if you stay and if she stays in control, the culture doesn't change. Doesn't change, and so you know, it, it's like that's that's the action. It reminds me of. Uh, Serena Williams' husband, he's in all the beginnings of the George Floyd catalyst yeah. changes, he stepped down from his position at, I forget where he works at. He literally stepped down and said, give this job to somebody else. And he's yeah. in a Google-like high-tech, high-level position. And he was just like, look, I don't want this job anymore. Give it to somebody else that's going to allow the culture of this company to change. Um, so, so that, so this whole like little, I don't know what I'm say, it's a sidebar because it's not a sidebar conversation. Well, no, but it, it is, part, it's, it, so this is, this is, I, I will say that like, like the world ended and then the world continued to end. And then in the middle of the world ending, there's this huge m moment of uh, an awakening. Yeah, for sure. And, and, it, and we can talk all day about too little, too late. We can do that, but like there is an awakening. Right. There was an awakening. Right. And so we have this empty studio and we have this captive audience and we have this new way of, and we're trying to understand a new way of being in the world. Well, so, wa so walk me through that. So you had, walk me through when you decided to 
you know, get into the physical space, like you had the opportunity to open oh. this, you have felt through, you opened this one. Tell us about the beginning days of pre-COVID. Oh, okay. Well, you know, I had a large following and I hired away Yoga Works's two best producing teachers um, who were kind of, I think, feeling like they wanted that, they wanted a community. Yep. And so we opened, like, I mean, I think it opened with 110 monthly members, and which this is last February, you said? Yeah, two Februarys ago, right? Two so, Februarys ago. So the ninth of February 19. And so, you know, we opened very strong. And I think that our message was really, was really heard. Like, hey, like, this is not core power yoga, right? This is not a, another corporate drone. This is independent. This is real, not real yoga, I shouldn't say that. This is, you know, coming from the heart right. and, um, is a, and, and, and is a community space for Boston. And, uh, and people were really wanting to hear that message, I think. And so we opened very strong and we've had, we had an incredible first year and i mean like beyond any like we were up like we we exceeded our most rosy projections by a lot yeah right? i mean even just in the yoga industry that's amazing because when you think just in general these days now i'm talking pre-covid days how many studios there are how many choices students have groupon and this discount and, that, and students typically going to follow the discount versus developing a relationship with the teacher, which we know back in the day was what you did, but doesn't always happen anymore. So that's an amazing testament. So your vision was resonating. With people. Right, and, and we're not on class passing. We never were. We're not on Groupon and we never were. We never just, we, we like, because, like I've worked my ass off and I've spent, I can't tell you how many dollars and how many hours all on my own educating myself so I could become a better teacher. And every single one of the people who works here has done the same thing. And so I am not, was not, am not willing to discount that labor. I love that. Can I just take a moment because I talk to yoga teachers all over the world and especially teachers in the United States, some of whom are taking $20 for a class, $30 for a class, after they've spent $3,000 on training. And I want you to talk a little bit about what is inside you that gives you the, it's not courage, but gives you the feeling of self-worth that translates to the money, which I know is always, not always, but sometimes- I, I just fake it and feel inadequate all the time. I mean, honestly, uh, that's a piece of it. That's not, I mean, I'm, I'm half joking, but there's a piece of me that always feels that feeling of uh, imposter syndrome or whatever you want to call it. Right, right, right. right. Um, but I also have a business degree. So right. like, I, I, my time is worth something and my education is worth something. And like, and I guess, I, I, I guess my thought is sometimes I feel like what yoga teachers feel is that training to be a yoga teacher isn't a serious thing. So if I go to a gym or a yoga studio and they tell me they're going to pay me 30 bucks a class, I should be happy to get that. Well, here's the, here's the, here's the rub, right? Is that, 
like because yoga is yoga and not spinning there is this like feeling that like oh our classes this is the conversation goes back like oh, we, we should be accessible and we should be well like i'm a, i have five thousand square feet in the back bay the rent is the rent is the rent right and the landlord, I have a wonderful landlord, but the, a landlord doesn't really care if it's a yoga business or a hair salon or a, an office building. Like the rent is the rent is the rent. So they don't care about your principles. They don't care that, you know, you're trying to make your business accessible. Like you got to charge, right? You know, and, and, and then my, my teachers, their rent is their rent is their rent, right? And so, you know, and, and you know, our pay scale, I mean, it is, it starts at $30 and then it goes up per head. Right, because, um, you know. Well, that factors into your equation as the business owner. But I, you, I, you, I, I totally it, it doesn't end at $30, it starts at 30 And actually everyone's right. at 40 now. We, we, um, we, we, uh, we made a decision during this, um, we went to, for most of this, we went to a flat fee. Yeah. Um, we went to a flat rate for streaming, um, which was not the most financially advantageous thing for us. Right. You felt was the right thing to do right. for our, our staff. And um, it was right. was not that much money, but it was a dependable amount. Right. Um, and uh, no, I mean, I think I think what you're saying is there's what the individual teacher has to consider in their life with their money, with their self-worth. And then there's the yoga studio and the studio owners and what they have to consider in terms of fixed costs and all of that. I think the point that I wanted to just pause and acknowledge you for is that you in what you said hey i've invested all this time let me, let me interrupt and say don't give your shit away for free online kids right. like yoga for adrian can go like you know what i mean like like her it's complicated because so many people get so much I, I hate to use her as an example but she's got millions and millions and millions and millions of followers right it gives it all away on youtube and <laughs> Who are we talking about? Her name is Yoga with Adrian. Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yes. It's it's fine teaching. There's nothing wrong with it. It's, you know, there's, there's, but she's giving it away. Right. And she's raking it in for the ad dollars. And so she's got her business model. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, is she, That's the but, business model with revenue coming in from ads. But you know what? For everyone else, do you know, it's just like, hey, you're saying to the average person, that yoga should be available to you for free and ad dollars will support it. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? That's what you're, and, and, and when every time a studio owner gets scared and goes on Groupon or, you know, or a teacher decides to teach a private for 40 bucks, do you know right. what I mean? It's like either we're, a sh either we have like a shared responsibility as yeah. an industry and yeah. as a community, yeah. but I you don't see SoulCycle going on sale. Right. $37 to be screamed at to a Rihanna track. Right. Yeah. I can do that. Do you know what I mean? yeah. but, you know, so there is this sense that when I started taking yoga in 2000, yoga was $15 for a drop in. And when I opened the studio, it was still $15 a drop in in places. So I was like, no, it's 22. Right. Because I mean, this, this is the, this is the problem of the yoke of yoga as a business. Right. is that like actually what we're trying to teach people is like non-materialism and non-attachment but we're existing in this capitalist right neoliberal existence and so we have to like try to figure out how to charge money for something that we should be giving away so it, it's all a whole bunch of um yeah, well it's a dualistic existence in a way 
do you think there's an opportunity despite that where there's something that people can still gain from the yoga piece even even that it exists in this paradigm which oh, is yeah i mean i i think that I mean, you seem to get super passionate about the, these ideas of sustainable business, um, but and 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 that you know some people will talk. Like I, I always want to be careful when I'm talking about like somebody else's business model or method of yoga, because I might have fundamental disagreements with like somebody's business model or or method of or you know or or, or, or like sequencing or whatever it is, but like what I always try to keep to the forefront is like those students are deriving great deal of meaning and value from that relationship. And so whatever my personal opinion is on whether or not things should be given away for free on YouTube or whether yoga has weights or not weights or whatever it is that I want to, it doesn't actually make any difference other than, you know, um, we can have these business disagreements and these industry disagreements, but I always want to be careful to because what matters is that, is that right. meaning that people are deriving from their practice and their feeling of a connection with their instructor and their teacher, whether or not that's online or in person or on YouTube. Um, you know, I just think that there is no substitute if you, if in this, if for, for a relationship with your teacher. Right. And so right. when we, like we were the first actually in the country to, when this COVID started to be, we were like live streaming and having live pe people in classes for those couple of weeks where we were like between like what is happening and not before everybody got shut down, you know? And so we really were on this, like we were like up on the two-way interactive, like before everybody else. And we really have been um, uh, like trying to keep a community alive. Right, right. So, so now we're kind of at this point in the chronology of things where, as you just mentioned, so things start happening, let's say, end of February, beginning of March, in terms of us here in Boston. I mean, we're at 30% year over year. It was our second full year in business. Right. Right. We were like, we're killing it. <laughs> right, exactly. So things start happening and there comes a point in March, the last class I taught was 13, 14, 15, it was Sunday, March 15th. That yeah. was my last class. Yeah, that was our last class too, I think. Okay, so somewhere, yeah, because I remember Friday the 13th and then my last class was Sunday. So tell me what that was like. Tell me what it was like when you woke up and you saw the governor was like, yoga studios and gyms, like I forget how it all came out. But so how, how it was that? insane. Um, I was in Cuba. I, I take an annual retreat to Cuba, and if we can go this year, you should come. Um, it's, it's, it, it is a transformational experience. My co-teacher is Cuban. It's, it's incredible. Um, but that's an, a side note. Uh, so we got back, and it was like, whoa. And um, so Emily and I were like scrambling. We like took away, the, you know, it was like every day you made a decision in the morning, and th that decision was wrong by the evening, you know. <laughs> so like we're like, okay, no, no blocks. We took all the blocks away, and then in the evening we're like, okay, no straps, and then we took all the straps away, and then you know we're like the next morning we're like, no, you know, whatever it is, we have to move the, you know, and so. You know, I, I found a, a, a company called Own Practice. Um, they're out in we're at Western Mass with a, a Baptiste teacher, Chris Lu Chris um, Lucas. Uh, 
Yeah. yeah. So he has, he had developed this whole online platform called Own Practice. And I was like, help. And he was like, I know who you are. We have mutual connections. So he like put us right on his platform and helped us be like first to market. So we like, so then I, I had like an IMAX set up in the middle of the studio and people were still coming. And so we like, we're just like, I don't know, like teaching on the screen and teaching on the, and, uh, and so we like had to move all of our memberships over to another platform. It, it was psychotic. And then we were still trying to figure out how to stay open and stay open and stay open. And then finally we just couldn't, you know, the, we were legally required to close. And I honestly, Karen, I, I, mean, I, I felt like my heart, I mean, my heart was just broken and I was terrified and I, and I, my heart is still broken and I'm still terrified. Um, and, uh, you know, I poured every bit of my heart into this space and, um, it's one thing when it's something that you could have controlled. It's another thing when it's something. Oh, and like, and I have 15 teachers. Now I have, but you know what I'm saying? Like, no, there was, you feel there responsible. Was, there was 15 people who, who, who I. Especially the ones who left to come to you. Yeah. Not that, not that the other ones were open, but. No, and so that like, we had staff meetings and we, we like, you know, we, we had to make hard decisions about who got onto streaming classes and who didn't get onto streaming classes. And we finally had to decide that most of our teachers were full-time teachers. Like I, I don't, I, we have tried to not do a lot of hiring of um, people who have day jobs and then teach on the side. Although there's some excellent teachers that we have who do that and who are all over the industry. There are people who have two careers of which teaching is one. Um, uh, so we really prioritized those teachers, right? The people who had stable incomes from their other lines of business. We were like, we love you, but like, we need to yeah, yeah. make do with what but we have. This is the business, right? This is when yeah. you put the business hat on and you have to be like, oh, you're cool. You have some money coming in. All right, cool. You're cool. I'm not going to worry about you. Right? Um, right. You can so, make rent next month or make your mortgage payment. Yeah. yeah. How were the teachers? How was that? It, they were scared and it was hard and it is hard and they are scared and they're drained because teaching in Zoom sucks. And I don't care who hears me say it because I just, it's like teaching into the void and you have no feedback and you hear no breath and you have no energy coming back to you and you're you just- students who shut their cameras off so you don't even see them? I do, not, not many. Most people keep their cameras on and so- That's good. Yeah, um, you know, and, but so when we first started streaming, we had like 50 people a class, it was amazing. And those numbers have like lessened and lessened as time has gone on and as more and more options have gone on and has, as, as all of my teachers have launched their own platforms <laughs> you know, um, which is what everybody has done, right? Um, not all, but you know, so, so the competitive online landscape is really challenging. Right, right. And, uh, and so we, are, we, we have some big things coming down the pike, which I'm not quite ready to talk about there, but we have some like big kind of um, on-demand things happening so that yeah. we're, so, so before you go there, because I mean, I want to talk about this idea of like pivoting in the moment. It sounds like there was a lot of that happening in the moment, as well as now that things have somewhat settled from the crisis mode, you're kind of thinking strategically. I, I will I will tell you that my business partner was like, Tim, you're a steamroller. Um, but 
you know, uh, like I, I, I had, I was able to stay two steps ahead somehow. Yep. And part of it was. What did that look like? When you say two steps ahead, what, what do you mean by that? I mean, like. To get online or. To, to get online, to get all the webcams and technology before they were sold out, to get the microphones, to get the technology, to get the platform, to get the memberships, to get the streaming, to get the um, disinfectant electrostatic sprayers, to get that, you know what I mean? To get all of the things that were going and gone and to have a vision for what it would look like to sustain a community right. and then kind of do that. And you were mobilizing. You were like, okay, after gotcha. 24 hours of realization, you were just like, mobilize. Here's what I need to do. And so we, you know, and we, we went to one platform, we went back to MindBot, you know, so it's, it's just been platform building and, and understanding. And then, and then we spent some, a lot of time refining, okay, so we have this setup and what, how do we make it look visually better? How do we make it sound better? How do we make it a better experience to be touched for the teacher to work in? How do we, you know, so we, we did the kind of those quality of life improvements, you know, as I, I mean, I, I don't have a, I mean, I don't have a background in lighting or filmography or IT and, you know, and, and um, so I, I have, you know, uh, learned and um, we have learned, I shouldn't say I, we have learned. And, um, and so I wanted to reopen, you know, my business partner had got, I, I think it's okay for me to share this. She wouldn't, she's been very public, but she, my business partner got COVID. Oh. Very badly. Oh. She was in bed for 45 days. She was in bed for 45 days. In bed for 45 days. Um, so she's a healthy 37, 30 something year old mother of three, right? Like. When did she? So well, this was late March. So I was by myself. I mean, I, and this was all happening and she was sick, very, very sick. And she still is recovering. I mean, it was, it was. Um, the hospital? She never went to the hospital. They I mean. Symptom management. Yeah, she had a fever every day for like 40 days. Can you imagine a, a daily fever? And so she still has, she's like only now starting to get her energy back. But you hear a lot about these cases of people who oh, had. Long haulers long haulers and so she's really had a huge struggle and she's done an incredible job um uh but it's nice to have my partner back i will say <laughs> it's really nice um uh so i wanted to open because i was feeling so much financial pressure and i was seeing the streaming numbers kind of tank and uh i was like let's reopen in july whenever the governor said we could reopen and we did all of the measuring and everything. Now I have a studio that fits 70. We have, we, we're legally allowed to have 24. We have 14. I say where? We have 14. So we, we have 10 less than we're legally allowed, uh, marked out in the space. So everybody everybody has to be masked. And the teacher has a 14 foot column in the middle with HEPA air filters on either side, like electro, electronic air filters on either side because the teacher is not masked because the teacher is also on camera. So classes are being live streamed and taught live. Okay, so let me just pause for a minute. So you had a period of time when everything was online, we couldn't open, you couldn't open because of the, the local legislation, the local regulations. So we're getting closer and closer. The governor here in Massachusetts is starting to hint that the next phase 
yoga studios will be in it. So you're preparing, you're preparing, and then it gets to a point where you got the green light from the governor. It's okay, you do the measurements. And Emily and I have a huge disagreement. She's like, we're not reopening. And I was like, we are reopening. And she was like, we're not reopening. I'm like, we are reopening. What was her concern? She was scared. And she didn't know if it was responsible. She didn't know if it was in Ahimsa. Got it. Because she had had and continues to have a very different experience of, of COVID. Wow. You know? And so she so, was, you think it was that she was, well, she, she was afraid of somebody getting sick. She had, she was like, it is, she was not, she is not, she, I shouldn't speak for her, I should, I, but I was, I was really running on like the, for the health of the business and like my own heart of missing people and wanting to do, like wanting to reopen. And she was like, no, we have to see, and you felt like, um, it sounds like you felt like with certain steps, the risk would be decreased. I did, but I also think that I'm, you know, one of the things that makes our partnership healthy when it's really working well is that she had a point. And I was running out of a place of like financial fear and pressure about like wanting to like keep my business alive, right? And so we opened for a few classes a week. We opened, you know, like one class a day. And, you know, if that, in some classes, no. And we, and then we had some outdoor and we, and we got some permits for outside. And it proved to be the right decision. You know, a good partnership is like that, right? Like, I'm like, go, go, go. And she's like, wait, wait, wait. And like, she had a point and I had a point. And, um, and so, you know. No, you found a middle ground in that first phase of reopening. That was a little bit of outside and a couple of classes. People are not coming. <laughs> That's what we found. Yeah, well, I want to get to that too. I want to get to, I mean, this is all coming from like first person, from like your perspective. Yeah. I want to know more about how people are reacting to it. So I think. Especially because you are such, you had such a beloved, like the, the people loved your studio. Yeah. And so it they, wasn't like and they were kind of on the fence about it. They were so into yeah. it. And so they still are. Um, I think that people are still really hesitant to come inside. And um, and when one of the things that I have learned is that like everybody has their own risk tolerances right now and that those risk tolerances can sometimes change moment to moment and that they're very often totally irrational and that that's okay, right? It's like for the longest, like my mother wouldn't see me, but she'll see my kids. She wouldn't hug me, but she'd hug my kids. And I'd be like, mom, like you just hug my kids and my kids like licked me all day or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like there's like, if you hug my kids, you might as well hug me, but she like couldn't. And so like, but so I had to like respect that she had this like way of needing to feel safe and that felt safe and that's okay. Um, so when people first came to take class inside, those that felt yeah. comfortable doing that, how was that? So weird. Um, so weird. Um, because, you know, they come up and they get the temperature, the, the whole, you know what I mean? The, the, the experience of coming to the studio is this. You come up the stairs, you stop at the desk, you um, get your temperature taken. You put your shoes at the shoe spot. And then you go, we have a sink um, in our lobby space, um, which we used to be for tea mugs and now it's for hand washing. Uh, so, you know, you go and you wash your hands and then you go directly into the studio. The restrooms are closed. 
The lounge is closed. Um, if you want to buy something from the retail, you like scan a thing and you do it all online. You have to pre-register. There's no payments being, all of that stuff, right? So it's all, and then you go in and, and there's little dots on the floor and each dot represents a mat space and you bring your bag, your things, your props. You have to have everything with you and you bring them into your mat space and then you stay with your mask on on your mat space the teacher comes in and starts class after class is over you leave so there's no mingling no and um and you're streaming at the same time that, yeah uh but i will say that um and this is just my experience that i had become I had a little bit lost the humanity of, like it was Karen, you're my student, and it kind of became a video game in my mind. Where I was like, Karen, lift your arm, and Karen lifted her arm. You know what I mean? Like you know what I mean? Like, like the the humanity of like Karen as a woman with a body and a soul. Do you know like who, who like, kind of was missing. And in the minute there were live bodies back in the room, and I was like looking at live people, humans, I was like, wait a minute, that's Karen. That's Karen with her body and her soul and her spirit. You know what I mean? Like the humanity of the people on the screen, the people was restored to me a little bit. So I've been so grateful. Even like, there was like an awkward class where only one student came and she felt awkward. And I was like, but I was so happy to have her because I'm like, no, that's a real live body to look at and to teach from. And how, how is their feedback? Have you, have people, have they said? People are loving it. They're really, it feels safe. As safe as anything feels. Um, you know, there is no substitute for human contact. There is none. And so we're so great, blessed that we live in this time where this is happening and we're able to have this. But like, there's no substitute oh. togetherness. And, um, and so whether, you know, I think we've been averaging between six and 10 students who come to the class. Great. Awesome. Yeah. And next week we're gonna open, like the 9.30, the four and the six will be open every day. So and we've had- happy, these, um, Go ahead. ahead. I was gonna say, just fit in after, about the, from your perspective, teaching how it is. Like, are you standing in one place? But yes. you have to your thing. Oh yeah. So you, can't, you can't walk around. You have to stay on your You have to stay on your mat space. Some teachers, when they teach on Zoom, do the whole class with the students. That's never been me. Like I'm like I'm like I'm like if you watch a class that I've taught on Zoom, it's like the least compelling video because it's like this. It's just me being like, Karen, lift your left knee, right? Um, so like it's like up my nose is what you see the whole time, uh, but. You know, so so because that has been my way of teaching already, you know, I just I stay really on my mat in the studio. We have a giant screen that's curved, so you can't really see it from the side, but the teacher can see all the students, right, who are online and look out and see everybody who is in the studio. So that was an investment, I bet, monetarily that you had to. Oh yeah, I mean we have thousands of dollars in technology. <laughs> yeah, I think about that in regards to what it must have taken. Talk about the business aspect of things. Your business bottom line gets axed overnight and then to reopen, you have to 
Now, did you apply for any of the PPP loans or for? We did. We did. We. Um, I mean, you don't have to share, but I mean, was no, there? We any did. We, we. You know, I have a business mind and a business background, so we we made use of all the resources that were available. Um, as much as it could. Help. It wasn't much. Like for a yoga business, payroll is not my biggest expense. It's overhead. So the amount of PPP is based on was based on payroll and not overhead. Um, so, as I said, you know, you, um, we all have some kind of understanding what um, 5,000 square feet in the back bay costs. Um, so, uh, you know, but we, we have made it work and we have made it work because we've had members who have stayed with us and yep. teachers who have stayed with us and we've all worked our little fingers to the bone to try to um, generate a compelling student experience that embodies like what Boston Yoga Union is in person virtually and um, and still puts the value on connection yeah. and um, humanity and togetherness um, and like fun yoga <laughs> yeah I mean it's like you said in the beginning when you started the studio you recognized that the product was yoga and that that um, you know really pushed you to look for quality teachers because you wanted the product to be stellar when you talk now about which I know is happening everybody quote unquote everybody going online and you wanting to develop a compelling experience that differentiates you, so captures the essence of the studio itself, outside of the classes, which of course is the product, right? The classes in person being streamed yeah. on. Is there, are there other things that you do to try to stay in touch with students or whatever? You know, social media is a huge tool and I dislike it. Um, in that it's another job to do, but it is also how we've kept our conversation alive and how we've kept the look and the feel and the vibe going, you know, and, and, um, and if you like go onto our social media, right, like the look and the feel of the vibe of the studio is still there, right? And so you can still get that flavor of um, being here. Yeah. You know, and, and we've tried to, we're moving back now that all the live streaming will again be done from here. So when you turn on your computer, you're going to see the studio. Right. And um, which is different from how initially. Well, you know, some of our teachers had, had decided to stream from home and we gave everybody that option you know like we were you know if you want to come in and film here you can if you if you want if you feel safer at home then you stay at home um and so we didn't we didn't make that choice for teachers we let teachers make that choice for themselves um now that choice is you know we want people streaming here um because you know we've invested a lot of time, energy, and money into like top-notch equipment. And we want the product to look and to, to have a certain degree of quality. Right. Um, so tell me, I mean, we talked a little bit about feedback you've gotten from students. 
I mean, I think about how we as teachers were of service to students before COVID. Yeah. How is that different now? Like, I honestly feel like I could cry because I just say that and I just feel it in my heart. Like, so can I tell you a story? I shouldn't, I, I, I broke the rules. I, I, I've never been good at rules. It's not been my thing um, my whole life. Um, no one has been like, oh, that Tim, he really likes the rules. Um, that class I had one student, right? I had like 30 people online and one student here. Oh, she, okay. So it was, you know, and so I, I, I and so at the, it was at the end of class and she couldn't do Shavasana. She just couldn't do it, right? She was, you know, like when these students can't be still, tossing and turning and tossing and turning, fidgeting. And uh, I, I like know a blanket trick, right? I, like I know a way to fold a blanket and like tuck it underneath the head and the occiput, which usually has an effect of like making people go, right? Um, and the best way. And I just was like, so I said to her, cause I knew she wasn't like, I, I knew she was not in Shavasana. I was like, hey, I'm gonna put on my mask and fold up this blanket and I'd like to come behind you and slide it underneath your head if that's okay. And she said it was. And so I, she lifted up her head. I slid the blanket underneath and she put her head back down and I walked away and I, I went back to the, and her body, like do not, when you see a student do Shavasana, like the, the, the mouth of the diaphragm spread and settled and her shoulders got lower and her feet rolled away from one another and her eye skin got soft and I cried. Oh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I can't. I cry, I'm, I'm gonna cry even talking about it. Yeah, it was sure. so simple. It was just like a blanket under her head. But in the way in which I have always valued touch, like, you know, I mean, there, there's, we, this is another podcast. We're not going to go there today. But like the, the way, the healing power as a trauma survivor, as a abuse right. survivor, as a recovering human, the way touch impacted me in yoga rooms and the way that I have seen touch uh, both as a, both make people's studentship go in leaps and bounds, but also like, just like that, yeah the way that we can be connected right um, well and the fact that covid strikes at the heart of that very level of interaction yeah is what made even just that you asked her and then she said yes even more so than her nervous system's reaction to having the head and the cervical spine in the position yeah. of blood, more just that someone was being of aid to her in a way that was in her personal space where no one is having anybody in their personal space right now. And you know, I like, and, and it was the most, it was like I slid a blanket, right? It was like the, the most and, basic thing. And she was like, at the end of class, she's like, what are you with the blankets? And I, and I, and I took the blankets home and I washed them. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, um, but, uh, but you know, when the CDC was like, avoid indoor gatherings of more than five people in which there is heavy breathing. And I was like, Bitch, that is my whole business. <laughs> That's my whole business. My whole business is an indoor gathering of people breathing. That is it. <laughs> exactly. That's what I say. That's it. Um, Even restaurants don't have the heavy breathing. Part. Right? You know? I mean, they can put the plastic barriers up and have somewhat of 
convey somewhat of a sense of your breath is going to stay around you and nobody else's breath is going to mix in. But I mean, short of creating little this terrain. What I think is, this is what I think, is I think that for Boston Yoga Union, everyone else has gone out of business. So all we have to do is survive. Yeah. Like literally <laughs> yoga works is bankrupt out of business. Like David and Todd fought that fight for 15 years and have gone another direction. Do you think everybody one after another is closing and closing and closing. So Emily and I are just kind of like, you can hold it together. We're just going to hold the line. Yeah. And we have made a plan with our landlord that takes us through next year and we are here because I believe that the importance of a community space is not going away and the importance of being together for practice is not going away right. and that the value of, of even though yoga does translate like well, better than I wish it translated on this, uh, in this way. Online you mean. Online. Um, there is, you know, people are going to want to practice together again. I think yeah. people do already and they're just afraid to. Yeah. And I think, that's an, I think it's okay. I think it's really, really okay to follow everyone. I don't want anyone to hear this podcast and think, oh, I, I need to go back into my studio because they need my money or that my support in that way. Like we need like your studio, whatever your home studio, your teacher, like what, what I really need from my students is for them to be healthy and alive. Right. So, you know, we don't, I will not encourage anyone to do anything that makes them feel risky. I feel pretty confident that we have taken an appropriate amount of measures to make the experience of coming into our studio as safe as it could be given the circumstances. Let me ask you one question. Do you guys have your windows open? We have one window, it is open. Okay. That, that um, we're too. working on putting a window into the, uh, we have a one studio that doesn't have a window that opens and it's kind of like, where's that $5,000 coming from? Um, but uh, the window fairy is not answering my phone calls. Um, but you know, we're about ready to have a teacher training. We're doing uh, a combination yeah. teacher training. I wanted you to talk about that. So now we're shifting from, you have the studio, you're opening classes again, how that's been. So what was it like? to think about doing a teacher training? Cause I know you're doing a hybrid model. So tell right. me how that came down, went down. So when I did my two, 300 hour training, I had called my teacher and I was like, Hey, I want to do this thing. She's not, well, I'm, I'm doing a 200 hour. I'm not really doing a 300 hour. And then she was like, Oh, I have an idea. So my 300 hour was really, uh, was a co-educational experience. She cohorted a few of us together with their 200 hour class. We did some assisting of her 200 hour. We learned in that way. And we kind of built our own individual programs for the 300 hour training. Like at the time, like I, I felt really solid in my anatomy and really solid in my sequencing. Like I didn't, like what I wanted to really understand was philosophy and I wanted to understand chanting with my students. I wanted to be able to talk Dharma. I wanted to learn therapeutics. Like, you know, the th I wanted to learn how to take it to the next level. Um, and so we had a lot of people inquiring about wanting to do additional trainings and we wanted to offer this foundational training. 
And then, you know, Emily and I, a couple years ago, did a, an Iyengar training in New York City, a full year of Iyengar training, and they just mix. Like, everybody is in one level. When you train in an Iyengar way, like, they don't say, you're junior, you're, everyone goes together. And what I saw is that um, the students for whom the information is brand new, right, get the huge benefit of peers who have already worked that information pulling them along, you know? And then for the students who are more senior, who have already worked with the information, they get the huge benefit of being able to teach that information back or, you know what I mean? Or be in that student teacher kind of role. And the best way to make sure you've learned something is to try to teach to somebody else. I mean, that is it, right? So we're like, we're gonna do this combined program. And the three, so we have a, a, a series of combined dates. Um, where the 200-hour trainees and the 300-hour trainees will be doing will be engaging together, okay. um, and then the 300-hours continue on past that into the late spring, early summer, okay. on their own. And we uh, are envisioning, you know, so we have we've limited the amount of together time hours, and we're, we've created a Google Classroom environment, so there'll be a bunch of ways to interact there, and then there will be some. Um, like small group mentoring. There's three of us, Caitlin uh, Visconti, myself and Emily are all doing this training together, teaching this training together. And so we kind of are, are think, and then we have a fully virtual option. We've invested in some really interesting technology that kind of makes you be able to be in a virtual circle. And, uh, and we're having people come in in person. We're gonna have an in-person, socially distanced training. Because I feel like I can teach you yoga sutras online, no problem. You know what I mean? We can talk about anatomy online, no problem. But it, I can't teach you how to see and move a body online. Right, right. I can refine. You, we can work together. Like, if you have that foundational training, we can work on it. Like, you know, we could work on a, a refining. But there is no, like, I, you've oh. got to be in a space. And you've got to see. Right. And so we are going to have an in-person training as long as the, we don't get shut down again. Um, and we have like some people coming to do a full virtual and some people are coming to do in person and there will be some combination of both of those things going on. Um, and so we're just kind of trying to make a new, we're innovating. I mean, we've been innovating this whole time. And so people, Emily, Emily done a better job than I have actually, like she really has stayed in study this whole time. Even when she was so exhausted, she just was like, what well, my, like, I just need to stay in, in my studies. And Meaning it's- personal growth for her. Yeah. Being in learning, being in learning. Being in learning, being in yeah, being however you want to think about, like be, be in professional development, however you'd like to think about it, right? Um, and so it's such, it's, it's so healing. And so a teacher training is that, right? Yeah. And for us who get to teach it is that, because, you know, I, I'm like back to the drawing board and I'm like back in the manual. I'm like doing all the, you know, thinking about like how, so, you know, it, it, and, and then for the students who come, like it's an opportunity for the next however many months to be like, okay, this is a global pandemic and like the rise of fascism and like the dismantling of the white supremacist, like all of the intensity of this world right now, and to have something that is just like- no election. 
right? Yep, in the election, right? I am, I'm gonna, because the only way we change anyway is there, right? The only way that anything changes outside of us is for us to go in first and say, okay, what is in me, right? Um, and, 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 you know, and it, it's that seed that you find in yourself that enables you to turn around and like affect change someplace else. Yep. And it's not so much about cutting them out because you don't want to like get, but it is about having something that is, um, a refuge. Yeah. You know, like a refuge. And so, um, and, you know, what our industry, I think, Karen, I, I, I think you and I are, like, we've always just been hustlers, right? We're like, we're like, we're like all about our craft. We see opportunity, we see opportunity. Like we, 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 we work really hard. And I think that all of us who are successful in this industry are like that. And throughout the last, I would say six years, seven years, especially when there's just been teacher training after teacher training after teacher training after teacher training after teacher training, and people have just like pumped out a million yoga teachers. And then there's been a million studios and the overall quality of the offering that you would get when you walked into a studio, I think was decreasing, not increasing, right? It wasn't getting better and better. It was getting more and more diffuse. Let's put it like that. And, um, and so all of that's gone <laughs> and, you know, teaching this way is hard work because the vibe is gone, the playlist is gone, the you look so cute in those pants is gone, the, do you know what I mean? All of it is gone. All that is left is the, the work. Right. And so a lot of people who are very casual about their teaching, they're like, this is hard and I don't, this is not what I, this is not what I signed up for. Like I want the vibe and the playlist and I wanna go in and look cute in my pants and teach my class and, you know, and maybe that will come back. Um, but, you know, it's hard work. And so I think that those of us who are kind of going to be left at the end of this, yeah. still here doing the work are those of us who have been really here doing the work the whole time. Right. And um, so to have an opportunity to train teachers now, especially to train newer teachers in that 300 hour level, it's to, say, to be like, okay, this is the world and this is the work. Right. And people who are like into committing to that now, I mean, I, I'm so excited to see what comes out of this group of people and this work in this way, because, um, you know, it, because we, we need to, like, I always say this in teacher training, it's like so cheesy and Nicole messes, you know, it's like the world needs teachers. The world still needs teachers. And more than ever, the world needs teachers, but the world needs really good teachers who are, aren't afraid to like roll up their sleeves and do the work of teaching. Even sometimes, even often when it's just hard. Right, right. right. I wanna ask you too, because something you just said sparked a thought in me, which as we're kind of wrapping up here, I wanna, I wanna ask you kind of two things that are more future projected. So the people who are enrolling in your training that you're going to have, that starts, yeah. when, did, when did it start? In October. October. So, yeah. Yeah. So I guess one of the things I think of is I'm so 
um, optimistic and, and inspired that there are people who right now in the world with everything happening, especially as it regards to what you just said, heavy breathing in a room, in an enclosed space during a pandemic. And those people are raising their hands saying, I want to go enroll in a teacher training. I mean, and, and like, we're going to sell We're going to, I mean, the enrollment's been very, very strong. Right. So tell me, how does that, I mean, I guess part of me is so inspired to hear that, that people are not discounting that this is going to go away. This skill of being a teacher is still, is something that has not shifted in, in. Yeah. Out. Well, I mean. Or the interest to be a teacher. Let's just say that the interest to be a teacher is still there. Even. People are still logging in. I mean, I think that people who, you know, people are still having, I mean, one of the things, like, I, as much as I can rant and rave about having to teach into Zoom all the time, like, as a student, as in, in a Zoom class with one of my teachers, or as a studio owner when I'm taking Zoom class from one of my teachers here, like, I have the experience of studentship. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know they can see me. I'm performing. Like, I'm not performing like as in a tap dance way, but in the, in the way that you'd put your best foot forwards when you know your teacher can look, you know, what can see you, which is part of the reason to have a teacher, right? Is to, to be held to a high standard. And so I give my students that standard when I look at them, right? I like hold my students to a high standard because um, I know they can achieve it. And it's not the high standard of like a hard pose or like something complicated. It's the high standard of like, I have, I know you can do the instruction. I know you can do your best work. I know you're here for yourself. Like I know you're gonna put in the right amount of effort because this is your practice and you get in what you put out or put out what you get in or, you know what I'm saying? You get out what you put in. <laughs> yeah, um, I what you're saying. Is that partly why you don't practice online with people while you look at them yeah yeah i mean you can watch a video of me if you want right there's plenty of videos of me and i and i do a mix like you know because some people are visual learners right so like especially if i'm showing something new i always want to show because I, I i want i want people who i want to be i want to be able i want to i want to provide as many avenues of learning as i can right so something for people to see, something for people to hear, like all of those things, you know. Um, but I, I, I can't watch you and do my practices. It's like the first thing you teach in teacher training. It's like, this is not your practice. You didn't come here to do your Surinamaskars. Like you should have done your Surinamaskars before you got here, right? right. You know, now is your time to see your students. Right. And, yeah. And, you know, so, um, and it, but it, it's hard to look at yourself on the screen. You know, it's, it's, it's different. It, it is different, you know. Um, so, you know. So, so you're getting those, so you're getting people that are interested. That is, you know, inspiring and gives us a feeling of optimism about the future. So I want to wrap up by having you talk a little bit about especially because you are 
kind of morphing as things change that you have no control over. You're continuing to kind of roll with the changes and change what you offer and how you offer it, given the external circumstances that you don't regulate or control. So what do you kind of, what do you kind of see ahead for you, even if you were to chunk it out, like between now and the end of the year, and then at the beginning of the year? Okay, I really think that between now and the end of the year, it's going to be very much about, I mean, it's, 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 it's like a week to, it's like one day at a time, you know, I've been in recovery my whole adult life. I'm very public about that. Um, but like never has it been more important to be taking things one day at a time because honestly like you can't get that far ahead of yourself right you have to like contend with what contend with what is in front of you with the best that you can contend with it and so I really see that we have a plan right so this is how it's been the whole time we have a really good plan that is subject to change at any moment right and so like so this is yoga. This oh, yeah, is how yogic is that, right? Impermanent. Have a really great plan, and this is how you, teachers. This is how you sequence your classes. Like you have a really great sequence that is subject to change at any moment, right? Be, you know, otherwise, otherwise it's about you, right? It's not about your students. Um, so, uh, um, so I think that what will, if if you know the weather's going to start to turn like if people start to come in I think what we're going to end up doing is shortening our class times that makes sense and having more classes yes. so instead of like a four and a six and a seven thirty maybe there's like a four to five and a five thirty six thirty and a seven to eight and an eight thirty to nine thirty like maybe what we do is because if only fourteen students can come and a lot of students want to come like we're going to shorten the class times and have like more opportunities to come Um, so that's one thing that we're kind of have on the table um we can get a window in the other studio you know we could potentially have like 14 in this room and like seven in that room and still be kind of within the state guidelines um and then we could do you know, a 5.30 to 6.30 in here and a 6 to 7 in there, you know what I mean? So we still would have like that half an hour. Um, there wouldn't be cross traffic in the lobby. So we're just like, how do we do this without having cross traffic in the lobby? Right. Um, right. And, uh, right. And you just kind of keep going with that as your guide, especially as, of course, here in Boston, it gets colder. Yeah, and you know, I think we're also really pushing ahead with really interesting. Um, there's workshops. There's teacher development coming. There's guest teachers coming. There's more um, work with um, you know anti-racism and social justice education coming. There's you know all there. There's more video on demand coming. Um, I am working on and well, I'll. I don't know who, how many, but like I'm working on a um, an LGBTQI kind of uh, virtual studio. So you know, I like you know, I'm looking at like ways in which um, we can diversify our revenue streams. I mean, if you want to talk business, right? Like, how are we making money? How and where and how can we put some business things in place 
that will make us money if we have to shut the doors to the physical space again. So we're really thinking about like, okay, what can we put in place now that's the Boston Yoga Union brand? Like this idea that maybe what Boston Yoga Union represents, right? Like, um, like a beautiful community space with excellent teaching, right? Is something that could live beyond Boston, right? That, that could be a, that, Absolutely. you know? And so then how do we start to think about the Boston Yoga Union brand as um, something that maybe someone- Someplace else. Someplace else would feel like, oh yeah, that's, that's my online home. Yeah, I even think about when the pandemic started, um, I have a really good friend that was in my first teacher training with me and he lives in Australia. And I, was, I didn't do it, but I was toying with the idea of taking his 200 hour in Australia online just for the heck of it, because I even pre-pandemic didn't foresee myself flying to Australia. But when COVID hit and he put it online, I thought, oh, that would be kind of cool to take Duncan's 200 hour in Australia, even though I'm here, it'd be faster for me to do it than to go go to his studio in Australia. We have a teacher here, his name is Ty Watson, who's from South Africa. And he's been teaching from, at his home studio in South Africa and here, and he just moved to New York City with his um, husband. Oh, and wow. he's still, you know, he's living in New York City. Yeah. And he's teaching in Boston and South Africa. Wow. Wow, that's unbelievable. So that- so, that's, that's cool. Yeah, very cool. And that kind of brings me to my last question, which is, in we were talking before we went live about gratitude is there are there some things like that for instance that would have never happened but for COVID. The, the, right are there other things like even when you just were talking about diversifying your revenue stream would there even have been the catalyst to do that um i'm, I'm pretty entrepreneurial uh, so I don't know what the answer to that is. I, I think that this compressed timetable is really, really, really fucking stressful to use, excuse my French, but like it is. I like French and I like that. So it, it is, you know, and so I wouldn't have wished this timeline on anyone. Yeah, I'm not saying we could have wished it. I'm but just saying. I, I will say that in particular, this moment to start to think about changing the representational, um, the, the the, the way we are um, handling different races and bodies and genders, the way the wellness industry is so white and privileged. So the fact that this moment of forced stillness has coincided with this awakening of injustice, um, or awakening of injustice. The wrong awakening way. to the injustices. To the existing injustice, right? Um, thank you. Uh, yeah. I, I think that's a huge gift because I at least, where you go, I mean, I guess you can run away from anything, but like there, there's been a moment for the industry to like kind of stop. And, and because we were enforced to live so online, I've been you know, able to have a lot of conversations with people who I wouldn't have even known existed before because I wasn't online in that way. And um, so I think that there's some real gifts there. I think that COVID, you know, Corporate yoga has some pre-existing conditions. <laughs> Corporate yoga had some pre-existing conditions. And COVID has killed it. And you know what? Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. you know, um, and, and, and so I, I think that 
I mean, it's almost like a right sizing in a way, sort of. I hate to use that corporate term. But, but you know, like there are so many things that you can kind of mass market, but what is more personal than your yoga practice? Yeah. And, and to me, there's nothing more personal. This is where I find my connection to my spirituality. It's where I look for my physical well-being. You know, like this is so personal. And I don't trust it to somebody's board of directors. Right. I want to know that there's a yogi, and Maddie is right, there's a famous quote that there needs to be the, the yogi in the room, right? the top of the studio, the head of the studio, you get all the marketing and business you want, but you got to have the yogi in the room who's like, is this yoga or is this not yoga, right? Uh, and if when you lose that, um, then you have corporate yoga. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hear what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. I mean, and, and, and I, so I, I think that, um, you know, COVID has caused so much destruction that I have a really hard time being like, what good has come out of this? Um, I mean, we all have to kind of look for meaning um, for ourselves. We're all responsible for like creating meaning out of the events of our lives, I think, in my, you know, and um, so in this time of adversity, have I seen um, myself and others around me really rise to the occasion in surprising ways? I have, right? Yeah, that's a, that's a beautiful way to say it. You know, I, I have. And so I, I'm grateful for that. I wouldn't have wished it though. You know, it's like, uh, but at the same, see this is, I, I do have to go after this, but I, I, I will say, it wasn't so good right before. Yeah. Like it wasn't working. It wasn't working. All yeah. of these yoga teachers were hustling around for 20 bucks and cutthroat and all the studio owners like, you know, and, 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 you know, people getting hurt left and right and lots of inappropriate touching and you know what I mean? And, and no black people anywhere as far as the eye can see. You know what I mean? Like there, there was a lot of things that were not good. Right, I hear you. And so a little, a, like a shakeup of the core. Right. Um, right. Well, it, I wouldn't have it wished be it. The same, but it won't be the same in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> in a much better way. And we would have never gotten there, but for. But for this, so there, I mean, so, so to that, like, so it is my job to take what happens and make meaning. And so this is the way I choosing to make meaning of, yeah. of these events. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. So um, tell people, especially because we were just talking about how people can access your classes online from anywhere. I mean, even though it's Boston Yoga Union, as yeah, we said. Go to bostonyogaunion.com. Um, my full schedule is there. You can check out um, my personal website, tkyoga.com, but Boston Yoga Union has everything. Um, our full class schedule is there at live streaming and uh, in person. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter if you want kind of information on workshops and things like that. Um, we have a video on demand library, uh, which is a seven day free trial. So you can go on, to, it's right on the website, you'll see Boston Yoga Union on demand. You can click there and you can take a seven day free trial and try out all of our teachers and different class methods on your own schedule. Um, and uh, that's how you can find it. Or you can come to, you know, 1112 Boylston Street, Boston, Massachusetts. Right. Uh, and you can um, walk up the three flights of stairs and have your temperature taken and uh, come take class. 
Tomorrow at six. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. It's amazing. I love it. I love it. Well, I mean, I think resilience is a word that is striking me in, in hearing you talk for the past hour plus. Um, resilience, creativity, commitment. Such a great word. Resilience is it, right? Resilience is it. <laughs> In your muscles, in your spirit, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that you were able to fit this in. Thank you so much for this. Um, I'm so appreciative. I'm so grateful. And um, I will send this to you in the next day or so. Uh, Just edit out, any, edit out anything controversial I said. No. <laughs> no. I, I, I've never had to edit anything and, um, and there's nothing, I mean, I love, it's all from the heart and with yeah. the energy of love. So I really appreciate it. It was great to see you. you Thank too. you so much. Come to class. Yes, I will come to class and I will see you soon and I will send you this link ASAP. Good Karen, thanks. All right, bye. bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my Mentorship Program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.